morning, everybody. How you doing? Glad to be here today. All right, let's get our Bible out and let's just jump right on into it. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one right there for you at your seat. And we'll put the page number on the, on the screen for you to follow along. Second uh, Corinthians 12. While you're turning there, let me just remind you that Easter is just three weeks away. And so start now thinking about who you want to invite and bring with you. On Easter Sunday, we'll have four services in this room and two more in the uh, chapel area. So it's going to be a great, great day. And so just be praying and thinking about uh, Easter Sunday. Man, it's just, just a few weeks away, all right? So it's going to be a great time. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we are in our series called Grace. And we're looking at what grace is and what does grace mean uh, in our lives. And today I want to talk about grace uh, for my weakness. Uh, grace for uh, my weakness. You know, when uh, we like uh, we like winners, right? We like winners. We like people who win stuff. We like Super Bowl winners. Uh, we like uh, Academy uh, gold medal winners, Academy Award winners. Uh, we like winners. We like people that are strong. Uh, people that are have a lot of strength. Strong leaders. We like strong builders. We like strong visionaries. We like strong personalities. We like strong fighters. We like all those kind of people, right? So our culture says, man, be strong, live strong. Uh, uh, that's what we love. We love strength. We love to win. And, and consequently, we, we, in saying that, we really say we don't really like losers. We don't like people that lose. We don't like people that are weak. We don't like people that don't have their act together, people that quit, the people that struggle. We don't like that. And that's all great. We can say, man, we love winners and we like strength. But what happens when you're out of strength? Right? What happens when, when you can't fight through this thing? What happens when you're overwhelmed? What happens when you are weak? What then? How do we respond then? You know, the Bible says that the way God sees things are very different than the way we see them. In fact, God sees things almost upside down from our perspective. And all the way through the Bible, we see this. If you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be rich, you've got to be poor. If you want to live, then you've got to die to yourself. And, and listen, if you want to be strong, that means that you have to embrace your weakness. In fact, that's what this passage we're about to read is about. The Apostle Paul is writing, and Paul is basically saying, listen, in my weakest moments, that's when I really found God's strength. And you might be here today and you are in a weak moment. Maybe you're, you're feeling overwhelmed with your circumstances. Maybe like the video, you, you, you're longing for a child or you want to get married or you're struggling for some level of success that seems to abate you. Or maybe, maybe there's pain in physically or some other issue and you're like, man, I don't think that I'm really going to make it through this situation. Then I want you to know that there is grace for you today. God's grace is able to strengthen you in your weakest moments. So let's look at it together. Uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 7. All right, we're just going to dive into God's Word like we do every week. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, this is the Word of God. Uh, so to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, 
my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insult, hardship, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. What you underline in your Bible, it's okay to write in your Bible. What you underline in your Bible, verse 9, where it says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my powers made perfect in weakness. This is really the kind of the key thought, the main idea of what Paul is writing. And he's talking about God's grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, when we think about grace, we typically think about grace and salvation. We think about all the grace that God gives us when we're saved. The Bible says that uh, for by grace are we saved through faith. And this is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works so that anyone can boast. And so we're saved by grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. So there was a time when you were far from God and, and you were an enemy of God and you were wicked in your heart and deserved judgment and, and yet God did not give you what you deserved, which was punishment, but God decided and chose to give grace toward you. And so he, he brought you to a point at the end of your rope and he brought you to a place where you turned your eyes to heaven and he, he let somebody come into your life that told you about Jesus Christ and you heard the gospel and your heart was open and your mind was open and you received the gospel and in the receiving the gospel you were forgiven and you were cleansed, you were made right with God. The old is gone, the new has come and only that you were adopted into his family and you're a new person in Christ. That's all God's grace. Isn't that good stuff? That's God's grace, right? And that's grace in salvation. But a lot of people think, well, I get God's grace when I get saved, but then I'm kind of on my own from that point forward. But that's not true. Grace, God's grace is bigger than salvation. It also encompasses our suffering and our struggles and our hardship. The, the same grace God gave you at the point of your salvation is the same grace that sustains you the rest of your life. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Paul's saying, man, that I, in my weakest moment, I found God's grace to sustain me when I didn't think I could keep going. And let me tell you, the Apostle Paul is a poster child for understanding God's sustaining grace. Because over and over and over in his life, he suffered. Over and over and over, he struggled. You know, we kind of think of the Apostle Paul, man, he's kind of like got a cape on, you know, kind of a superhuman kind of guy that never really had a bad day, but... But Paul had lots of bad days. In fact, if you just back up to chapter 11 and look at verse 24, just kind of run your finger up the page to chapter 11, verse 24, same book. Uh, he kind of lists out some of the things he struggled with. Look at what he said. He said, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger of rivers, in danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst without food, in cold and in and exposure. And apart from all the other things, there is a daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. I mean, that's quite a list, right? I would say that would be a bad day or, or maybe a bad life. 
I mean, think about any one of those things would have been overwhelming. He said, Five times I suffered the 40 lashes minus one. What does that mean? That means that he was strung up uh, on a rack and they tore his clothes off and took a whip and lashed his back 39 times. Think of it. 39 times. And that didn't just happen one time. That just didn't happen two times or even three times. That happened five times. Think about you the fifth time they put you on that rack. And when they tear your clothes off, they see all the lashes and the abrasions and the scars on your back. And, and then he was beaten with stones and beaten with rods and left shipwrecked and all the things that Paul suffered. You think, man, how in the world did this guy keep going? How did he not just quit? How could, could he have made it through that? And then, then you get to chapter 12, which is where we are, and there's another element of his suffering. Look at verse 7. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. So there is this thing, what, what Paul calls a thorn in the flesh. Now, Paul is speaking metaphorically here, symbolically. The word thorn there couldn't mean just what you think, a thorn like from a rose bush. By the way, don't you just hate it when you get stuck like that? I've got rose bushes in my backyard. About this time of year, I go to whacking on them, cutting them down, so they'll be a lot better in the summer. But I always come out with the thorns winning. You know, they're just, they leave their marks. And so that's kind of the idea. But the word thorn could also be used for a stake, like as as the Romans would use a stake to impale someone. And so he's saying, I got this thorn in my flesh, not, not physically necessarily, but, but some painful thing. And scholars have asked the question, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? There have been papers written on it, books written on it. What is this thorn in the flesh? And quite frankly, we don't know. Uh, one commentator said this, it conveys the notion of something sharp and painful which sticks deeply in the flesh and in the will of God defies extraction. It defies extraction. Some people think that this thorn in the flesh of Paul was something physical like uh, a chronic illness. Some people think it was bad eyesight. Some people thought he had epileptic seizures. Others feel like maybe there was some kind of satanic oppression on him that he had to endure because he said a minister, a minister, a messenger of Satan had come to harass me. Others believe that what he's really referring to here are false teachers that had kind of squirmed their way into the churches and, and were trying to tear down the gospel and confuse people and, and destroy what God was doing in that church. And, and Paul even referred to them as, as people who teach doctrines of demons. So we're not really sure what it is that Paul dealt with, but what we do know is that it did not go away. Paul said three times, I cried out to God to remove this thorn, remove this painful thing. Three times. Kind of like, uh, reminds you of Christ in Gethsemane three times saying, Lord, if it's possible that this cup pass from me three times, Paul fell on his knees and said, God, if there's any way, God, please allow this to be removed. But God in his sovereignty allowed Paul to walk through this difficult season. Paul wasn't the only one. God allowed Job to walk through it too. 
God allowed Satan to have his way with Job for a moment, for a season, in limited exposure, but he allowed that to happen to test Job so that Job would ultimately see God's grace. Same thing happened to Peter. When before Jesus' ascension, he had a conversation with Peter and, and Jesus told him, he said, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat. Which I'm sure Peter wanted to reply, and you told him no, right? You know, <laughs> come on, Jesus, you know. And Jesus went on to say, but I prayed for you. And when you endure, you will strengthen your brothers. He did not say, but I've said no. See, there are times when God allows you to have a thorn in the flesh. There are times when God does not immediately remove the hardship, the crisis, the struggle, the pain. In fact, some of you are dealing with a thorn in the flesh right now. You're dealing with this one thing, and you've cried out to God, God, let this go. God, change the circumstance. God, break this addiction. God, relieve me of this depression. God, uh, help restore this marriage. God, bring this wayward child. God, do something. God, I've called out to you, God, and you're not answering, God. Do you hear me, God? Do you care, God? And it's in those moments that God allows it for a season. But sometimes God, instead of removing the thorn, he uses a thorn and he gives us a way to endure the thorn and that is by his grace. Sometimes he says to us what he said to Paul. Look at verse 9. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness, Paul. Uh, you know, when you read the original language, the original Greek language that this was written in, Many times a verb subject is, is different than in English. Kind of like Spanish, you know, that's kind of different order, word order. And if you read the original Greek, it's in a different word order. But, but it actually it reads this way in the original text. It reads this way. Sufficient for you is the grace of me. Now think about it that way. Sufficient for you is the grace of me. In other words, what he was saying to Paul is this. Hey, Paul, yeah, I know this is hard, but, but I'm your grace. I'm your strength. I'm your support. I'm your comfort. I'm your peace. Listen, when you're going through a difficult time, you don't need to pray for peace. You don't need to pray for strength. You don't need to pray for patience. You don't need to pray for, uh, for any of these things. What you need to do is just say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to show up. I need you because he is your grace. He is your comfort. He is your peace. He is your strength. I remember uh, a man uh, many years ago that as I would pray with him, he would always pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you are my hope and my joy and my peace and my strength. And I wondered where he got it. And now I know where he got it. He was reading his Bible. He realized that he didn't need the things from Christ. What he needed was Christ. He didn't need things from Jesus. He needed Jesus to show up in a deep and personal and intimate way because only he could carry him through what he had endured. And only Jesus Christ can carry you through. You say, well, how do I find that? You know, Paul, I mean, Craig, sometimes I, I, I pray and I don't know that my prayers get past the ceiling and I, I, I want to know God's grace, but I feel like I'm just on my own. How do I get to the place where I know Christ like that and I can, I can experience what Paul experienced? How do I get to that place? So let me give you a couple of things, just really simple, practical things uh, to help you, all right? Uh, jot this first thought down. If you want God's grace like this, you've got to come 
uh, into his presence. Paul cried out to the Lord. Uh, this, this thorn in the flesh drove him to his knees. And, and look at what it says. It says Jesus showed up. He said, but he said to me. But he said to me. In other words, he cried out three times and he got a response. That Christ showed up. Now I personally believe, now this is Craig's view, that Christ revealed himself to Paul in this moment. He had done it before. Many times before, in fact. In fact, if you recall the first time in Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul uh, was riding on the road to Damascus and he saw a bright light and he fell to the ground and, and he said, why, Saul, are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus showed up and physically re revealed himself, manifested himself to Paul. But that wasn't the only time. There was another time. In Acts chapter 18, verse 9, when Paul is in Corinth and he's struggling and he doesn't know what to do and he doesn't know if he should keep preaching the way that he should. And Jesus shows up to him and he said, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking and do not be silent. Another time we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in this very passage, that, that Jesus showed up and revealed to Paul these visions of heaven that were great and glorious visions, something that men had never seen before. But Jesus showed up to Paul. Many times when Paul was in his weakest moment, Christ showed up. And listen, that's exactly what God wants to do with you. He wants to show up in your weakest moments. He wants to reveal himself to you in your dire straits. It's only when we get to that crushing point and we cry out to God that he shows up in his strength. But listen, you're never going to get to that point. You're never going to find his strength by, you know, kind of casually going to church or kind of uh, thumbing through the Bible or just kind of shooting up a few prayers. No, 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 this comes from pursuing him. This comes from... Uh, labored prayer, extended time in God's word, crying out to the Lord, gathering other believers around you. I believe that God draws close to us when we draw close to him. In fact, that's what it says in Hebrews 4.16. Listen to this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace. I love that. It's his throne of grace. With confidence. So that you may receive mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. You know, uh, many, many years ago when my oldest daughter was probably, <clears throat> I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old. Uh, she was running down a hallway at church. That forbidden thing. You're not supposed to ever run in church, right? Don't run in church. You know? So she was, she was, being a kid, she was running down this hallway and uh, she tripped and when she tripped, she fell down and planted her head on the corner of a brick wall right there. And just split her forehead wide open. Now, she cried. And when she cried out, there's a certain parent, you know, there's a certain kind of cry that you know it's serious business, right? There's kind of whimpery cry, I'm tired cry, and then there's a I'm hurt cry. And she let that one out. And I was just down the hallway, and I heard it. And so I started running. And she said, I, she's reflecting back on it, she said, I remember kind of looking up and I couldn't see through one eye, which was because blood would have completely covered her face. But she said, I could see through the other eye and I could see you running full sprint toward me. And I picked her up, I quickly put my hand on top of her forehead to, to stop the blood that was gushing out. 
And I carried her in, and, and by that time, Liz kind of came up to me, and she said, what happened? And I just did like this. I just kind of went, boop, and the blood, psh. And she's like, oh, okay. And, and so we, I just kind of kept down, and I said, we got to go. And you're okay. And so she pulls the car around. We get in the car. i am still got my hand. We had a good friend that was a surgeon. We rushed, him into, rushed her into the ER, and, and lidocaine shots, and screaming out, and blood squirting. And uh, anyway, I don't want you to get sick, but it was gross, all right? And... Uh, and he starts stitching her up, and I'm, I'm just holding her hand. I'm talking to her the whole time. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But I got you. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. We got you. You got this. Praying over her. You know, and as I reflect back on that, it's when we cry out to God that it elicits our Father's run toward us. And that's what Paul found. He said, you know, I cried out to the Lord, and he showed up. I cried out, Lord, I don't know that I can make it. And, and, and I, I pursued him and I found out that he was running to me. And listen, in your weakest moments, that's the moment to cry out to God. In your weakest moment, that's the time to pursue him, to come into his presence, to say, God, I'm coming to your throne of grace because I can't make it if you don't show up. If you don't show up in this situation, I'm not going to make it. And Paul cried out, listen, this is going to take you sitting with him, crying out to him, drawing near to him, drinking deeply in his word. But what you will find is that his grace will flood over you when you seek him like that. Come into his presence. Here's the second thing. Trust God for your daily needs. Trust him for your daily needs. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, that word sufficient is an important word. You know what insufficient means, right? If something is insufficient, it's not enough. You ever bounce a check? You got it back and it's stamped insufficient funds. Insufficient, not enough to cover what you just wrote. And listen, I, want, I got some really good news for you. Uh, God's grace is never stamped insufficient. All right. And God never says, wait a minute, you used up all your grace last Thursday, so I don't have any more for you till next week. All right? He never does that. Isn't that really good news? I mean, it's not like, okay, you're the needy one, so I'm going I'm to spread the grace out. You can't have any till next week. All right? He does not say that. It is never insufficient. It is always sufficient. Above and beyond, over, above, whatever we need, is sufficient, is full for what you need in the moment. God is sufficient. In fact, I love 2 Corinthians 9. Just, this is an awesome, awesome verse. Put it up here, 2 Corinthians 9, chapter eight, uh, verse 8. Uh, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good word. You get all those alls? Uh, all grace abounding, all sufficiency in all times. L listen, what that means is that that whatever you're dealing with, God's grace is enough to carry you through. Whatever you've got going, your problem is not bigger than what God's grace cannot buoy you up and hold you up and sustain you in it. Whatever it is, God's grace is sufficient for the day. In fact, the Bible says it over and over in John 1.14, Jesus is full of grace. In, John, in 1 Peter 5.10, he is the God of all grace. In Jer Joel 2.13, he is gracious and compassionate. In James, it says that he gives a greater grace. 
In John 1.16, he gives grace upon grace. The idea is like the waves that just keep flowing over and over and over. God's grace keeps flowing over you for every day's needs, every problem's needs. Now listen, if God's grace is sufficient for you and he can strengthen you enough to go through whatever you're dealing with, then listen, you need to trust him for that day's needs. To say, God, today... I'm doing it, going through it again. God, today I'm facing it again. God, today I've got to deal with that problem again. And so God, today I need your grace. In fact, Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 6 says this, uh, And now, just as you trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. Live in vital union with him. God, I don't think I can get out of bed today and I'm grieving so bad. God, I don't think I can face my spouse today. I'm hurting so bad. God, I don't think I can go into work because I've been abused so bad. God, I don't think that I can, I can face this loss again. I'm devastated so badly. But Lord, today, would you fill me with your grace? And would you help me to walk through it? You see, God's grace is available to you. When you come to him, when you draw close to him, and when you claim that grace that is above and beyond, and you just got to pray this prayer back. You say, God, you said all grace abounding, overflowing for every need, and God, I've got a need, and I need your grace right now to face this crisis, this problem, this challenge, this situation, this hurt, this pain. How do I get God's grace? You come into his presence. You trust him for your everyday's needs. And here's the last thing. Rely on God's strength. Look at what he says. My power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfected. It's revealed. It's put on display when you're weak. You ever known people that have gone through a very difficult, challenging situation? a tragedy of some kind, and you look at them and you go, I don't know how in the world you got through that. How in the world do you endure that situation? How do you every day go and take care of this person? How every day do you suffer the hardship that you do physically? How do you every day battle through this thing that you're facing? How do you do it? And they look at you and they go, I don't know, just God's grace. You see, God's grace is experienced only when our weakness is expressed. God's grace is experienced only when our weakness is expressed. In other words, if I'm going, well, hey, I got this, God. I don't need God. I, I can power through. I can pull myself by my own bootstraps. I can, I can just, you know, uh, I can get through this. I can power through this. I don't need God. Then, then grace is not put on display. But when you say, man, I, I, I would be in the bed. I would be face down. There would be no way if it were not for God's grace. And all of a sudden, God's grace is put on display in your life. And people look at you and they see the grace of God. And God gets all the glory for it. Maybe that's what God has in mind. Maybe that's what God is doing. Maybe this is not so much about you, but about others seeing you. Maybe it's not so much about you uh, getting through this problem, but being in the problem and others watching you and seeing the unexplainable grace of God that draws them to Christ. Maybe that's what this is about. Maybe that's what God's doing in your life. You know, there's some people, sadly, that miss the grace of God. 
I mean, what God would pour out in them. God would give them grace and sustain them and show them his comfort and his peace, but they miss it. You say, well, how could people miss the grace of God in a difficult situation? Some of you may be missing the grace of God. You say, well, how? Let me show you. This is found in Hebrews 12, verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. How is that? And then no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. You see, the way you can miss God's grace is to become angry and embittered. When you say, well, I, I don't need God anymore, and I'm so angry at God, and I'm pushing him away. When you allow bitterness to come into your heart, you miss on the grace of God. That flow of God's grace, it would pour over the parched places of your life and seek down deep in the cracks and bring life again to your soul. You're missing out on that because your bitterness has hardened your heart and God's grace can't flow in. Not only does it hurt you, it hurts the people around you. He says that bitter root defiles many. Maybe the, your family, maybe the people around you. There's nothing worse than a bitter Christian that's missing out on the God the God of grace that would pour his heart and life into them. Don't miss out on God's grace. Don't harden your heart. Listen today, if you're hurting, don't harden your heart. Listen today, if you're needy, don't harden your heart. If you're, if you're struggling, don't push him away. Draw close to him. Humble yourself. Say, God, I need you. I'm at the end of my rope. I'm just confessing my own weakness. God, only then can I know your strength. I need you. Paul didn't get bitter. Paul got stronger. Every battle he faced, he just got stronger. In fact, I want you to look at what he says here. Look at verse 9. Just back at verse 9. He said, therefore, uh, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses. That therefore is based on all that we just said. Therefore, because his grace is sufficient for me, because I can come into his presence and find all that I need, because he gives me strength for every single day, therefore, because of that, look at what he says, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that po the power of Christ may rest on me. In other words, he's saying, I just want Christ's power on me. That's what I want. And if it takes my weakness, then so be it. And so look at this. This is, this is mind-blowing. Look at verse 10. And for the sake of Christ, then, I am content. I am content. Underline that. I am content in weakness and insult and hardship and persecution and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He said, you know what? I've stopped praying for the thorn to go away. I've stopped praying for the thorn to be removed. I am content in my situation. Because if that is what it takes for God's power to be in my life, if that's what it takes for me to know Jesus deeply and intimately, if that's what it takes for me to be a trophy of God's grace that people can see God at work in my life, if that's what it takes, then so be it. I'm content to just rely on his grace. Can you say that? I'm content to just rely on God's grace. Listen, right now, you have a thorn. You have a pain, and it's not going away. Don't harden your heart. Let the God of all grace meet you. Seek him. Trust him every day. Draw on his strength. Say, Lord, just for today, I'm trusting in you.